Hi, I'm Heidi Pett. I host the show Backchat, but back in the day, I used to look after Out of the Box. Ash Bertavez, who you're probably used to, is away this week, so we're posting this episode for our podcast listeners from back in the day when we didn't even have a podcast. It was first broadcast in August last year and features Yasmin Magoob. Yasmin's been a singer, a veterinarian, a refugee, and a community educator. She's also a great storyteller, and she'll be bringing you tales about coming to Australia from Sudan and what happened along the way. Next week, Out of the Box will be back with a fresh episode and your regular host, Ash Bertabez. But for now, I hope you enjoy this one that we've dug up from the archives just for you. Out of the Box. Out of the Box. Out of the Box. Meet people through their music. With Heidi Pett on FBI 94.5. Hello, you're listening to Out of the Box on FBI Radio. Big thanks to Stephen Ferris. The last song that he played for you was from Roots Maneuver. It's called Stolen Youth. Now, if you're interested in any of the other songs that he played, you can jump online, fbiradio.com, check out the playlist, and there's links to a whole bunch of stuff. Right now, though, it's time to get to know somebody entirely new. This week, we'll be getting to know Yasmin Ibrahim Magu Mohammed. Did I did I get that right, Yasmin? Yes, it is right actually. Um, here in Australia, four name, uh, one name actually, one last name. So my name is Australia here, Yasmin Mohammed. While back home, I have four names. Uh, Yasmin is a singer and trained veterinarian who left Sudan, studied in Egypt, and is now working as an environmental educator with Sudanese and Arabic communities around Sydney. She's brought in a whole bunch of music to share with you today, Yasmin. What have we got? Um, I got a bunch of songs like, from um, different artists all over the world. Uh, Maria Makiba from South Africa, uh, Bob Marley, Moni Aim, um, Emmanuel Jile, um, Sudanese and uh, um, British. And uh, hopefully we can uh, listen also to one of my songs. You have a very strong love of music, which is evident. You are a, a trained singer and you've been singing for a long time. And part of the reason that you need, had to leave Sudan was because of your music, which is a story that I would love you to share a little bit later on. But we might kick straight off with one of the songs that you've brought in to play. Can you tell us a little bit about this song by Malaika? Okay, um, Malaika is for um, Maria Makiba and um, I just love her. She's um, one of the um, popular African uh, singers. Actually, she was the first African singer who took to popularize the um, African music in the 60s and she was a human rights activist. And uh, I just love her because... Um, um, in my childhood, she seemed to be like a very strong woman, and she was like, you know, supporting women and girls and supporting human rights. You know, so um, I just love her. Malaika, Oh, 
You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI Radio. That's a song called Malaika by Miriam McKeva, and it's chosen by my guest this week. Her name is Yasmin, and you were saying that song was a big part of your childhood. It sounds like Miriam McKeva was an extremely inspiring woman. Yes, she was, actually, yeah. And you're you're now a singer and a musician yourself. Was she part of the reason that you decided to become a singer? What I would say, like um, most of the um, artists and the music and the musicians I listened to in my childhood, I think they were part of my my vision. And then um, after that, I mean, being exposed to different kind of cultures, so being exposed to different kinds of music and different kind of ly- lyrics, um, that might really give an artist his his own vision or her own vision about what to do in his or her music. You grew up in Sudan and you eventually had to leave because of the music that you were making. But can you tell us a little bit about what it was like? Because I think a lot of people have this idea about Sudan or maybe people think that it's just about what happened in Darfur. It's just about the Lost Boys. Um, But Sudan is obviously a huge country and I think it's easy to narrow your perception of a place by which parts of it end up in the world news. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like for you growing up there? Um, well, um, I, I guess I was lucky sometime in um, uh, in Sudan in my childhood. It was um, um, a democratic regime for some time. It wasn't a long time there. Like We had uh, only four years of um, democratic regime. But I think the atmosphere was, was really nice. You know, you, you live with all, all people like peacefully and different cultures. And we have, it's a multicultural, it's a big country. It's a multicultural um, society. And uh, we have more than 200 language different language not dialects so and heaps of tribes there but we all used to live peacefully together but uh, i think that didn't last long because when the dictatorship regime came into um into place everything was changed after that so we had this kind of um discriminations we had uh problems about um religions which we didn't ha- um have before I and mean, we have a uh, war all over the place um it started war from between the north and the south. Um, nowadays, we have um, war in the west and a, a start of a war in the east, actually. So I think this kind of oppression and suppression and, uh, um, created kind of um, intolerance and a new society in, in the country which used to be uh, peaceful before. But as I said, um, I think those days when we, we had um, freedom, we had that kind of peace, I think that was my um, best time of life there because you know you, you get to know um, many things. You we were exposed to um, different different music, different culture. Say for example, we had uh, we used to have like Thursday and Friday um, and Sunday dedicated to um, to um, songs and music all over the world from Africa, from Europe, America, everywhere, everywhere, and and this kind of this kind of um, a, a atmosphere really influenced my, my, my childhood and influenced my my way of thinking too. Music was obviously a big part of growing up for you and you auditioned for one of the biggest bands in Sudan and became a singer. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? It seems like a strange sort of transition from just auditioning for the biggest band in the country and all of a sudden you're a musician. Yeah, and, and the, the funny thing, um, uh, because I, I I studied outside Sudan, so I studied, my study, my uni was in Egypt. So I was in Sudan when that, that band was so popular there, but I, I heard about it in Egypt and they, I had um, uh, um, my friends, they were musicians and guitarists in the uni and they were talking, oh, do you know about Saura? They did that and that, that hit and that popular songs. And I was... Like inside me was, I I I hope to see them because I was outside in Egypt. So, um, so when I graduated, I and went back to Sudan. Um, I've heard about the um the the group they're looking for a soprano singer, and I was thinking, okay, could that be me? And then, so um, I think it was more hope for me, uh, you know, to be to be part of such a fantastic group. And then uh, I went to that audition. I was so scared. I was really so scared. But then, um, yeah, because the group itself was popular and, and they brought a new type of music into Sudan with, with brass sections and with different kind of music and more academic music. It's different from the, the traditional Sudanese music. And yeah, so I was uh, successful in getting to the band. Um, Actually, I was lucky. Like I, st- I stayed with about nine years um, till the time I I had to leave to to Australia. So nine years, uh, nine years, and I 
was part of um, uh, two albums, recording two albums with the band. I would like you to tell me a bit about uh, what made you have to leave in the process of coming to Australia, but we might listen to another one of the songs that you've brought into play. It's called Babylon. Can you tell us why you've chosen this one? Okay, um, Babylon is for Emmanuel Jal. Emmanuel Jal, he's um, Sudanese, British um, singer, hip hop singer now. Um, he he had um, a, a sad story because he was um, a at the time the, the war between the North, North Sudan and so- South Sudan. Uh, he was a soldier. He had to be a soldier actually as a child. And then he was one of the lost boys who um, fled the place of um, of the war trying to escape into an, another country and he could have been destroyed actually uh, as a child and as a human being but then um, he he was lucky to be supported by a um, uh, a British lady who really picked up that child and discovered his, his talent and then um, what he thinks now, he thinks he, he's, he's left alive to to tell his story, which is so inspiring. So now he's using hip hop as a vehicle, really, to communicate with other people about equality, peace, and uh, yeah. Um, and this song is is kind of um, a, a unique song because it's hip hop but layered with African beat as well. Commercial credit card I'm a hustler, victim Finding way to survive in the system Sister I'm in Babylon Brother I'm in Babylon Grandma I'm in Babylon Please forgive me, forgive me Sister Kingdom, London, home of MMOQ, one of the best places to be. They've got good programs here to help refugees like me. You see, success would have come if I haven't found good people to help me. Watch in your prayers, pray for UK. Things are not okay. Terrorist attack, war in Iraq. There's recession, folks are losing their possession. The pound is going down, everybody's cussing Gordon Brown. Sister, I'm in Babylon. Brother, I'm in Babylon. Grandma, I'm in Babylon. Please forgive me, forgive me. Sister, I'm in Babylon. Brother,
a song called Babylon by a Sudanese mag- musician, Emmanuel Jal. You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI Radio. My name is Heidi Pat, and this week I'm getting to know Yasmin Ibrahim Majub Muhammad, who is known as Yasmin here in Australia. But you you were explaining a little bit earlier about how in Sudan you had four names, and here in Australia you normally go by Yasmin Muhammad. But having four names actually worked out kind of well for you a little while ago. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, in Sudan we have four names. So it's like a, um, a middle name and the last name. It's actually father name and father father's name and then your, your grandfather is like that. But when we came to Australia, um, we um, actually they told us, our friends, that we had to use one name for last name. So uh, And that's supposed to be um, the last name we have. So in Sudan, I'm Yasmin Ibrahim Mahjoub Muhammad. So the last name Muhammad um, became my last name here in Australia. So in Australia, here I'm Yasmin Muhammad. It's kind of confusing sometimes, but yeah. I think, yeah, it's it's worth explaining because I think probably the biggest mark of respect you can give somebody from another culture is to actually get their name right. Um, so I think it is it is worth understanding the history of somebody's name and you know, why somebody would have more names in Sudan than they do in Australia and that sort of thing. But you were you were explaining a little bit earlier about what was happening in Sudan around the time that you lived there um that it you know it used to be this wonderful community where you listen to music from all around the world and then the the regime sort of changed things and it changed the nature of the society there a little bit and yeah. it became quite restrictive yeah that's true that's true you know everything everything is just changed even in the daily life like uh, and um and as you mentioned the names i'm gonna mention um say something about that actually um one of the things that um the, the the regime did like they uh created a new kind of uh, security forces like they, they're just there to wandering around the streets and you know harassing people sometimes beating people they can do whatever they like arresting people actually so it depends on on what come in their mind as a, at that time, you know, like, yeah. Um, so it's all about freedom. So there was no freedom at all um, at that time. And one of the things they um, they created actually were new laws about, you know, people wandering or walking together uh, in the street. So no boys and girls were allowed to, to go together. Um, no men and women allowed to go together unless they are uh, brothers and sisters or close relatives or if they're married, you have to show your marriage certificate. And then it happened one day that it was me and my boyfriend were wandering around actually and we were trying to get into a park to um, to spend a lovely time there in the park. And we were talking, what should we do if we've been approached by security forces? And it's just... It was a series of coincidences because um, my, hus- my husband was working um, uh, in a tax office and then he got an, uh, his ID card with just his father's name, so, which was similar to my father's name. So he was Jalal Ibrahim and I, my name, Yasmin Ibrahim. So he said, how about saying we're brothers and sisters? I said, yeah, that was a good idea. And then the other coincidence that, that happened so soon after that because I um, the time we entered the uh, the park the lovely park supposed to be lovely but it was full of um, the security forces and then they approached us they um, took me away from my boyfriend and they asked me what's the relation between you and that man and I said he's my brother and they did the same thing with him actually he they took him away from me uh, and then uh, they asked him the same question he said he's my sister and they asked him to show the ID. They asked me to show my ID. And that was kind of funny. We were so stressed at the beginning, but then we managed to get away from that, yeah. So so it became a situation where you needed to carry an ID card with you all the time exactly. to prove who you were and who you were related to. and. Exactly, exactly, and you don't. People don't feel really like you know safe in the street because at any time you you might be approached by that, and even that you might be approached by those forces regarding how you were. Like if you put a scarf on your hip, which wasn't like you know the the the, the thing um, in Sudan. Like uh, you can wear whatever. Um, you like but then with the forces now you have to wear a special one you have to wear long sleeves and then you have to put a scarf for example so it's not it's not you're not free anymore to do anything yeah and music is often a big part of social movements centered around freedom and music was a huge part of the civil rights movement in america and the band that you were a part of began making sort of political music which got you into a little bit of hot water 
I want you to tell me the story though. Are you just saying briefly before there was this one big gig that you guys put on that got you in a lot of trouble? And I would love to hear about that. We might listen to one of the other songs you brought in first though. Okay. And then you can tell that story. Um, will we go with Daddy Cool? Yes, we go with Daddy Cool, Bonnie M. She's crazy like a fool. Out of the Box on FBI Radio, where we get to know somebody new through the music that they love each week. Now, my guest this week, her name is Yasmin, and she evidently has a huge love of music. Yasmin, you're about to share the story of how that love of music got you into so much trouble that you actually had to leave Sudan. Yeah, okay. Um, so um, I was with uh, um, our group, which is called um, Saura. Um, it's a big group, um, nice group, popular group. But um, that group was um, stigmatized by the um, regime as a, a political group because of the type of the lyrics and the music we do uh, for that. And then one day we had to, um, we were part of a memorial to another um, artist musician who himself was a revolution in the in the field of, of new kind of poems um, um, poetry symbolism and personification of um, uh, of songs so um, and we were the last one uh, the last group actually to perform and um, I'm gonna describe the hall for you because it's kind of weird um, hall and um, we have these types of hall incident without ceiling holes walls only so open a stage but we don't have ceilings there 
Okay. So um, we were about um, to perform when we um, suddenly like. Um, so people jumping those high walls. So actually, there were security forces. What did what they did? They just uh, parked all big trucks, big trucks, uh, close to the walls, to the whole wall, and then they started jumping all over uh, um, the place, and it just was a mess. They started beating people, um, torturing people on the spot, and they didn't differentiate between children or or, or women. And people were screaming and running um, uh, everywhere and in every direction. It's just like an American movie, really. That's unbelievable. Uh, and as I said, I was really shocked because I was, you know, uh, wearing fancy clothes for the stage, and I was shocked. This is my first. That was my first time to see people like that. You know, beaten in front of me. Uh, I've heard of it. I know there's something like this going on in my country, but not in front of my eyes. And then I was hesitant. I was stressed. I was shocked. I was scared. Like on top of on the stage. And then um, a couple of people um, from the group's farm they ran towards me. They 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 saw me like that. They wanted to, to rescue me. And my boyfriend at the same time was trying to rescue me. So he was going um, opposite to the direction of people fleeing the, fleeing the place. Uh, so th- those guys, they came to me and they kind of run, 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 quickly, quickly. And then they, they got me and I had to um, take all my, leave all my stuff actually behind. And then, yeah, we ran, they helped me to jump a fence and then we ran. I think I I really ran out of breath and I was about to faint midway. But then um, till we reached house, we knocked on that, that house and people are generous actually in Sudan. They be, be welcoming and they kind. So... Um, as soon as I get inside, I really fainted there. But they, um, the people there, they helped me to. Um, after that, well, wake me up, and then um, after that, they made those guys um, whom I don't know actually. They helped me get um, get back home. But that was really like a, a turning point in my life. You know, I, I started to think about that was really scary and uh, was horrifying. But at the same time, I thought we really have powerful weapons that scare a whole regime which were lyrics and music. So, and I started to realize that like, how, how powerful, how strength we have um, that can really, can really fight against any kind of injustice or inequality or, or oppression. And I think that's that what, that, um, what makes that group going on after that. And that's what makes me uh, compose my own songs after that. You were saying that the security forces, they came in and, and they broke up that gig and they, they climbed over the walls and they started beating people. Was it specifically because it was your band or were they just breaking up gigs at that time? I think the whole thing, I think it's a combination of this because the memorial was for a singer who was uh, the same thing. Like he, um, he, he's been known as anti to the regime and his, his songs were like for social change and for political change. It's just completely different kinds of lyrics, you know, um, with high symbolism. And people love it. Like he, he was so popular and many people like memorize his songs and even after he passed away. So his event was itself like scary because it's as if it was like a gathering after that so the regime I think scared of this kind of gathering because they think all these people who would come to such a memorial will be like anti-regime and they may go out into demonstrations or something or protest okay and then the other reason would be the group itself because we had many gigs before cancelled because of this so yeah they just I think they just were scared from what might happen after they the whole event you were saying that that event made you realize the, you know, the weapon that you had against the regime was your music and it was th- your words and your lyrics. What sort of things were you singing about? Um, well, this is this is a, um, the the lyrics we were singing. They are all about um, um, freedom, about peace, about love, but in a different way. I mean, they're, they're, we we have um, all the time we have love songs, but there are messages and ideas and. And things about um, beyond the words, even if it's just love, and that's the thing. The thing we uh, we we meant to do to people, you know, like give the language more depth in the language, intensify the impact of the words. It's m- more than that, and stimulate more emotions and stimulate more questions. I think the more we we have those questions, the more we get into the better. The, the, the more we improve our lives, and that's that the the difference between the um, between the traditional songs uh, which were there in Sudan and then. Um, our songs 
A lot of the music that you've brought in today is very focused on lyrics and a lot of the songs do seem to have a message. You've brought in a, a Tracy Chapman song who's well known for having very interesting lyrics. A lot of people connect with her on a level, of, you know, with her lyrics. How did you come across her? Yeah, um, well, Tracy Chapman, the first time I listened to her, I was in the uni and the, the, as soon as I listened to her, I just love her. I, actually, I love I love the alto singers. I'm soprano, but I, I love alto singers. I, I love the way she thinks. I love I loved her um, her style, and um, she didn't she didn't need to have big orchestra. She sometimes just simple music and only with a guitar. And then after that, when I um, I got to know that she's a yeah, human rights activist, I I, I love her more more actually. That makes sense. We're gonna have a listen to a song of Tracy Chapman's called Change. This is Out of the Box on FBI Radio with me Heidi Pat, and this week Yasmin Mohammed. If you knew that you would die today If you saw the face of God and love Would you change? Would you change? If you knew that love can't break your heart When you're down so low you cannot fall Would you change? Would you change? Yeah. 
Change by Tracy Chapman. You're listening to FBI Radio. This is Out of the Box. My name is Heidi Pat, and this week I'm joined by Yasmin Muhammad, who has a deep love of Tracy Chapman and indeed a lot of quite sort of political music, I think. And you were just telling the story in such a, a softly spoken, very modest way of this gig that you're a singer in Sudan and you were part of this group that was making quite political mu- music that was critical of the regime there at the time that made you witness to some brutality by the the security forces at one of your own gigs you were up there on stage and then all of a sudden these people started coming over the walls and beating up the people who'd come to see you play which must have been awful and eventually spurred you to leave Sudan can you tell us about it must have been very difficult making that decision to to leave your country can you tell us how that happened it was really hard yeah to um to decide that and we we, we to be honest we haven't decided that um straight away after w- what would happen although we had uh, some of our um group members like the yeah the sax player and the the bass player they were arrested and they disappeared and we, we've been like um we had to look at search uh for their place for a long time so it was really horrifying it was scary but we were Everything was really bad, but we haven't um, decided straight away because of our families. You know, we we, we have that um, big bond between us and, and, and the family. We, when we kind of, kind of in Sudan, we have a family, not like the mom and the dad and the uncles. It's the, the mom and the dad and the uncles and the grand uh, the grand you know um, moms and and fathers and then um, also the neighbors, the relatives. So big families there. So we kind of connected to that when we we. We couldn't imagine ourselves outside of of Sudan, but then we had to because um, it was really getting getting worse and worse, and um, um, more freedom being taken away from from people, and it was was just unsafe. Yeah, we were away uh, far away from the war places though, but uh, we still um, didn't feel safe because even the capital cities, any kind of political um any kind of political movement were you know uh, were not were not allowed or any anything that could be suspected as something towards social change would be like you know uh risky so uh we decided we're going um uh, we're going out to stand we, we we have to leave and then um we um we heard about australia actually and uh, and by the way they they call it um in sudan uh, they call it a piece of heaven in earth for australia um, so um, uh, the good thing about that that, that process um, at that time, if you have someone uh, here in Australia, um, a, they can send you a sponsorship, so they can kind of support you. So you apply for coming to Australia, and then you have someone here support that by um, the sponsorship. And then we were lucky actually, we were lucky, lucky to to come here. So it, it took us only one year. So we came through Egypt. We stayed in Egypt, and then. Uh, from Egypt we came um, to Australia but it was a really hard decision and aside from it being difficult to it it took you three years after that gig to decide to make that decision to leave your family who was who are still in Sudan mm. to make that decision and then to make arrangements and then a year to get approved and eventually make your way here and it's not as though it was easy when you got here either you're a trained veterinarian and yet you needed to go back to uni and retrain when you got to Australia can you tell us about that Yes, I, it's it's a big a big change for everything. Even the um, the country itself, the, I mean, the culture, stuff like that. Um, um, although there are this, the similarities between Australia and Sudan in kind of the the multicultural society, which is fantastic here. Um, but um, and it's a welcoming country. That's that's the good thing about that. Otherwise, it would have been a hard transition for us um, a, um, to to stay here. But then the the things that I, I um, it took long time to to figure out like what I'm gonna do here. Like I, I'm gonna be a vet again, or, or what what I'm gonna do. So um, I started a um, studying. I applied for a studying in veterinary uh, science in faculty uh, of Sydney, and I started that. It was a hard time because um, I wasn't able actually to understand um, uh, the Aussie's uh, accent. It was really hard. I was familiar more to you know American accent from you know from the movies and this kind of thing, but. That was my first time to hear Aussie um, accent, and I, I struggled at the beginning in the uni. I couldn't understand the lectures, what it was about, because the, the, for me it was hard. And even the guys with me, they speak very fast, and I couldn't understand, so it was hard first uh, in the uni. But then, uh, I think um, I did well after that. One of the hardest things as well, I was a vet um, back home, but with for domestic animals, more big animals, you know, cows, 
horses and uh, sheep and goats, this kind of thing. But when I came here, I was surprised to find myself like I, ha- I had to deal with cats and dogs. And that actually was the subject I failed here. I, I failed to handle cats and dogs. And it, was, it took me like you know, six months to, 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 to pass the subject. Yeah. Why did... Why did you find it so difficult to handle cats and dogs? Like for for Australians, cats and dogs are a part of their life as they grow up. It's the childhood pet that everybody is familiar with exactly. them. Exactly, but it's it's different. You know, we we have pets there in a different way actually. So we don't we don't keep we have cats and dogs, but we don't keep them inside. They're just roaming outside in the streets, and we had the disease rabies for for dogs, which is very scary. Like you know, um, and when we had that season of rabies, like spreading all over the the place, then they they um they would start like shooting dogs in the streets, killing them. Okay, so that was a scary disease. And when I came here, I was I was surprised by you know the Cats and dogs are really popular pets here, which is not the case in, in my country. And I, I was scared, like approaching or you know touching a dog, or especially a dog that I don't know, like it's not my pet. Um, so, so that's why, why with other subjects, like I, it was really get uh, weird. Like I, I got credit like in surgery, for example, and in 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 gynecology. But with handling the dogs and cats, it took me really six months to handle that and was so stressed. I was so stressed. But I got a support from my friends to pass that subject. Um, aside from you, you came here and you retrained um, as a veterinarian, but you also, within two months of coming to Australia, you found yourself on a stage singing again, which music was the reason that you had to leave Sudan. And you know, you, you're know you here in Australia and you've become part of a musical community again, which I would love you to tell me a little bit about that. And also, you're now working as an environmental educator with Sudanese and Arabic communities all over Sydney. And I'd, I'd love to hear about that because you're mentioning, you, yeah, this, this big cultural difference between the way that we relate to dogs and cats. And there seems to be a cultural difference between the way that people from Sudanese and Arabic communities relate to environmentalism as well, which yep. I would love yep. you to tell me about. Um, but you brought in a song by Bob Marley which you're saying it was a huge part of your childhood. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I'm um, Bob Marley as well. Yeah, um, I think he's um, he's one of the um, um, lovable artists um, till these days. He, he just brought that 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 freaky thing and with different um, uh, songs, the lyrics, the, the strong messages and the strong words and the, the strong style and and just he um, he was one of the artists I was as exposed to in my my childhood and I just love him. Is him, kiss him, game, dine and go to heaven in Jesus' name, Lord. We 
For somebody who has used music as a way of challenging a regime that you didn't agree with, that Bob Marley song must be a real classic for you. Absolutely. I'm talking to Yasmin Mohammed. She's my guest today on Out of the Box. She's been sharing a whole bunch of different music from all around the world. And you're saying that was a huge part of you growing up in Sudan in the 70s and 80s was this multicultural aspect of, you know, listening to music and, and consuming art and talking to people from different language groups, different cultural backgrounds and music from all around the world. Yeah, that's true. Um, and you, you became a musician while you're in Sudan, and we were just talking about how that got you into enough trouble with the regime that you and your band needed to leave, and you came to Australia, and you were just explaining um, about you know retraining as a veterinarian here, but you ended up back on stage after only two months. How did that happen? You just uh, you know you parachuted into a country where you didn't understand the language very well, and you were having to you know to retrain because your qualifications weren't accepted and all that sort of thing. But you obviously found your musical community quite quickly. Yeah, I think that was a wonderful part. Yeah, yeah. being be, um, singing again on a stage in uh, such a wonderful country like Australia. You know? uh, because before before that, I, I wouldn't imagine myself like doing that even in in two years actually. Uh, live alone in in two months. But yeah, I I think I, I was lucky because um, uh, when I arrived here, um, um, I had my friends who've been here for four years, and, and a couple of them were percussionists, and they um, they were um, at that time they started thinking about a um, forming a, a group, and then um, and see all the talented people here, or who, people who used to be musicians in Sudan, and then it happened to be me arrived at that time, and then uh, there was another musician. Um, uh, who, who was here too, and and there was the African festival just two months from our arrival, and then suggested that we um, they applied for the, um, the to perform in the um, in the festival, and then um, I found myself myself there yeah, singing with with the group, which was really fantastic. But I, I was so at that time I was so like you know I was stressed at the beginning because I was looking at the audience; it's a completely different audience, and we're singing in Sudanese language, so. I was thinking, oh, they might not like that, but it was really fantastic because people like it. They love it. They love the music. Music is a universal language, as they said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you, the way you're saying that, you're kind of laughing and smiling to the side because it seems like a cliche, but you're obviously evidence that that is true, that you've been able to, to use music to, you know, I guess express your political beliefs and it allowed you to find a community when you moved to an entirely new country. So you're saying it as though it's this this stupid throwaway line, but... I think your life is maybe evidence of that in some way. You were saying just before that it was, you know, it was terrifying to have this new audience hearing your music and, you know, perhaps they wouldn't understand it or relate to it properly. Um, and your father was very supportive of your becoming a musician and, you know, music and art was a big part of your childhood, but you never got a chance to find out what he thought of your music. Yeah, actually, what 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 the um the the other things that I started as um a as an artist I I started first as drawing and painting because my father was um was a painter, and he was an artist himself and he was at the same time he was oud player and he was um he was a poet was a writer, um and, and so the, the whole atmosphere was full of this kind different kind of you know art and music this kind of thing but he was he was so supportive he was he was supporting me first like in my drawing and in my painting and. All my sisters and brothers, we are five, by the way, five sis- sisters and two brothers. We are, we are seven. And all of us, we draw and paint and we have different other talents. So he, he was he was helping us that time to, you know, participate not not only in competitions, in drawing, painting competitions in Sudan, but even outside Sudan. So we participated in Korea, in Japan, in, um, in India. I even have my painting, by the way, published in a book from India when I was a child. So yeah, um, so he was so supportive uh, for me and for the um, 
uh, f- for my talents at that time. Um, he passed away after I joined the um, the group Sarah there. So he he saw me singing with that group, and he he, um, he came to all my concerts there with with the, the group actually. So he loved that. That's why when I I, I think back, I think um, he would have been very proud of me, like you know having this kind of um, having my own songs and um, I compose my own songs as well. You've brought in one of your own songs to share. We might have a listen to it now. This one's called We Are The Birds. Okay. Listening to Out of the Box on FBI, which is a show all about getting to know people through their music. And music has been such a huge part of Yasmin's life. She's my guest this week that it was only fair that we shared some of the music that 
has had a huge influence on not only, I guess, you know, you and how you relate to different singers and your passion for music, but it also forced you to move countries and come to Australia, which I think is quite important. Um, but what you're doing now is environmental education within different Sudanese and Arabic communities all throughout Sydney. Can you tell us a little bit about the challenges of that just really quickly? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. But before I mention that, I would like to um, mention the, the the poet for that song. The song is called We Are The Birds and the poet. Um, he's a Sudanese and Australian poet and playwright, uh, Afif Ismail, who lives in Perth. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I mean, I think before um, before coming um, to to Australia, we um, we didn't have much knowledge about um, environmental th- issues like you know climate change, global warming, this kind of thing, and how to save. And if we uh, if ever save back home, we save for the sake of you know reducing the bills and this kind of thing. And um, most of the cases we have, uh, we had blackouts and no electricity uh, there. But but then when we came here, for me personally, I thought I didn't know about climate change, and, and I started to search about that. I know about that. After that, I got the job as an, a, a bilingual environmental educator to Sudanese and Arabic um, uh, community. And uh, I think it's the same thing. If I didn't know that before, if I didn't know about climate change, if I didn't know how to save energy on water, uh, and we need that, if we didn't know about recycling before, then uh, um, I think I have a role to do in the community. And that's why I love the job. And that's why I, I started um, communicating with, with my community, with Sudanese and uh, um, Arabic community. There are a lot of challenges there and difficulties. You know, as we we just really came from different countries where uh, much of these things we were not familiar with. But but I think step by step. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing so many different aspects of your life. Whether it's as you know, a singer, a refugee, a veterinarian, an environmental educator, you've certainly done a lot. And music seems to underpin. A huge amount of that. Now, look, if you have just tuned in and you're interested in the songs that Yasmin played, you can head to fbiradio.com. Zasha Rosen is the wonderful producer of this show and he has put up some links to a couple of things that we've talked about and also you'll find a list there with all of the songs. Yasmin, thank you very, very much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. It's been a real pleasure. Beth Douglas is up next. Out of the box. Out of the box. Meet people through their music. With Ash Bertabez on FBI.